Can being on Facebook or any other social media platform make you more vulnerable to being victimized? My highly specific answer to that question is, it depends. You made a great choice joining me today because I'm going to show you just how you might be giving away more than you should and what to do about it. We'll also talk about how to use your influence on social media to make a positive impact on the world. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Unlovely Truth. I am so glad you're here. I'm your host, private investigator Lori Morrison, and I'm going to bring you another story from the world of true crime, and then we'll see where it intersects with our faith. And we'll join forces to answer what I believe is every Christian's calling to be a different kind of PI, a person of impact. And we're going to learn practical ways to do that after we dive into today's case. This is Season 3, Episode 19. Our book this week is True Crime Online by J.A. Hitchcock. And I titled this episode, I read this book so you don't have to. This was a tough read. It really, really was. But I think that there's a lot of information in there that we can learn from without getting lost in the darker stuff. Our guest this week is Dr. Jen Bennett. Jen is the host of the She Impacts Culture podcast. She's an author, a speaker, and she's also the strategic communications professor at Indiana Wesleyan University. That's where she equips college students to discover their voice, develop their expertise, and lead with influence to impact culture for Christ. She has a fascinating book called Be Worth Following, and it's all about how to use social media for good and for the right reasons and to honor God. So we'll talk more about that when she joins us in just a bit. But first, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, that I love to read. Normally, I love to recommend that you all read the book that I'm talking about. But like I said, this one, it takes a strong stomach to read some of it. So we're just going to hit the highlights, or I guess the lowlights. Let's dive right in. Now, for those of us old enough to remember life before the internet, I think we'd agree that it has radically changed the way we all live. And a lot of that is for the better. We've got greater access to information. We can share ideas in ways we never could to make innovation happen. And of course, we can listen to all the true crime podcasts. But there's also a dark side. The internet's been transforming, stalking, bullying, and it has given pedophiles unlimited access to our children. According to the group Working to Halt Online Abuse, more than 30% of cyber stalking cases that it was involved with back in 2011 escalated to stalking in the real world. And I say real world on purpose, because on the internet, you never know if who you think you're interacting with is really who they say they are. Like 22-year-old Brian Barrett. He certainly didn't realize the girl he had met on a gaming site wasn't the 17-year-old she said she was. She was actually a 50-year-old married mom who had assumed her own daughter's online persona so that she could cyber flirt with strangers. Brian also didn't know that she had reached out to him because he was on a friend list of another man she was scamming, a co-worker of Brian's. 47-year-old Thomas Montgomery was pretending too. He said he was an 18-year-old Marine, and he became obsessed with his online love. When he realized that she was also involved with Brian, he ambushed the young man and shot him three times. Brian died instantly. Our book also details the story of the first internet serial killer. 
I did an episode that explores that case, and I've put a link to that in the show notes for you. So what about Facebook? We've all heard stories about scams and fake romances, and I think that we probably feel pretty sure that we wouldn't ever fall for those. But are we inviting burglars to our homes by what we post online? Carrie McMullen certainly didn't think that she was. She was so excited because she and her fiance got tickets to an incredible concert, and she made sure she let all of her Facebook friends know. When she got home after that concert, thieves had cleaned out more than $10,000 worth of her stuff. But the thieves didn't know that Carrie's fiance had recently installed security cameras. If her Facebook post had burned her, she thought, well, maybe Facebook now could help her out. She posted the video, and one of her online friends recognized the burglars. One of them turned out to be someone that Carrie had added as a friend less than six months before they violated the sanctity of her home. Web security firms have done their homework and discovered that 41% of Facebook users are handing over private and personal information to strangers via their posts. Have you ever done one of those cute Facebook, let's get to know each other thingies? You know, they'll ask you like the name of your childhood pet, the name of the street you grew up on, and things like that. Yeah, don't do those anymore and delete any posts like that that you did have from your feed. They certainly look innocent enough, but those very questions are often security questions on banking apps. Thieves know that, and so they want to get that information from you. Even if your account is set to private, Don't put out your cell number, your birthday, your address, any kind of information that might make you vulnerable to scammers, thieves, or worse. I promised at the beginning of the episode not to get into some of the more gruesome stuff, and I won't. But there was one quote in one of the darker stories that I think is so very important for us to hear. Armin Muiz, and I probably didn't come even close to pronouncing his name right, got international attention for his use of the internet. I will put this as delicately as I can, but he used the internet to find a willing participant in his cannibalism fetish. Enough of that. Here's the quote I wanted to share. Once the media picked up the sensational story, Mui's neighbors were shocked. They knew him as a quiet single man who never had wild parties. He repaired computers for a living, and fixed classic vehicles in his spare time. He always smiled and waved to his neighbors. And what I want you to take away from that is that evil doesn't always look evil. We need to be so very discerning about people and not trust them too easily. And I'm pretty sure that your neighbor isn't like this guy, so don't worry about that. But hang with me through the rest of this episode, and we'll talk about one way to figure out who might be safe and who just isn't. You've learned a lot today, and we're not even done yet. And if you want to learn even more stuff, have more behind-the-scenes content, go to my website, and you can join my brand-new membership site. You'll get extra video, extra audio. You'll get some devotionals. You'll get some of my favorite resources, things that I like to read and watch and all that good stuff. So remember, just go to theunlovelytruth.com, scroll down just a little bit, and there are two options to join the membership site. I hope I will see you there. Now let's check in with today's guest. She's got so many amazing insights on using social media to impact the world for good. 
I really think that you're going to love her ideas as much as I do. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I read your book in uh, one night, literally. Um, I was on some steroids for some inflammation. I couldn't sleep at all. And I read through the entire book. I could not put it down. I love that. Love that. So before we talk about your book, though, you know, my listeners, we've, we've kind of discussed our, our book about online crime. And uh, I just want to get your take on a few things. Um, first of all, I bet you probably never in your wildest dreams thought that you were going to get invited to speak on a true crime podcast. Never. <laughs> and I absolutely love this. This is fabulous. <laughs> well, we hear so much negativity about social media. And, you know, some of that is, is rightly given good, hopefully constructive criticism. So I wanted to really get your thoughts on harnessing that power of social media, because it does have a lot of power and find ways we can make positive changes in areas like solving cold cases, bringing awareness to how everyday people can really make their communities safer places. So there is a space for that, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you are so right in that there is a lot of negativity on social media, but my goodness, and this is what I love about social media also is that we can use it for so much good. You know, when I think of using social media to make positive changes in areas like solving cold cases, I immediately think of the reach that social media has. Like we are able to um, gather a community of people around us who are helping us solve um, these cases that maybe otherwise we would have never have had these people. We are much more aware now of what's happening in our communities, in our cities, in our um, state in our country, and even all over the world. And so I think that's one of the really positive things about social media is that specifically, if a cold case is trying to be solved, there are much, there are many more eyes and ears who are now seeing and hearing about these cases that otherwise these people may have never have even heard about. And you know, what's really interesting is I actually did some research on this because I was like so excited about this topic. Um, but I found, and you probably know the numbers better than I do, but I found that eight out of every 10 law enforcement professionals, 81% actively use social media as a tool in investigations and 67%, 67% of respondents indicate that social media monitoring is a valuable process in anticipating crimes. And so when used as an investigatory tool, I can't say that, 73% believe that social media can help solve cases more quickly. And I think that is so important, solve more quickly. Yeah. And I, my hope is that as these cases are shared online, you know, I specifically think of families who are hurting, who want answers. And if we can help them solve a case more quickly because we know about it and we can keep our eyes and ears open, wow, what a blessing that would be for the family. And so, yeah, I think there are some 
huge benefits to using social media um, when it comes to specifically solving cold cases. And I think people don't realize because we've got this whole CSI effect. I mean, that's what we actually call it, where people think that every single case is going to be solved somehow with forensics, especially DNA. And that is just not the case. We hear about those cases because they're interesting. But the vast majority of cases are solved with testimonial evidence, with people coming forward and telling what they know. Because at a lot of crime scenes, you don't even have recoverable forensic evidence. Right. And so, you know, people need to realize if they know something, don't hang back thinking, oh, DNA is going to solve that or, oh, blood spatter analysis is going to solve that. It's testimonial evidence that solves most cases, especially cold cases. Now, you spend a lot of time studying social media, obviously. It's what you do. Um, And we've got a lot of moms listening. And so I want to give them some things to think about. What do we need to know that our kids are maybe participating in or at least being exposed to on social media that we might be completely unaware of? Yeah, you know, as a mom myself, I have a 12-year-old son. You know, our kids have so much coming at them when it comes to this online world and social media. They are learning so much. I mean, they have access to more information, thoughts, beliefs, ideas than we ever had when we were growing up. And, you know, like my 12-year-old son, he's not allowed on social media. He does have YouTube. He watches some YouTube videos like the gamers and stuff like that. But he's not allowed to have like Instagram or TikTok or any of that because for me personally, like I want to protect his eyes and ears as much as possible. And I'll tell you, being a mom myself, it is hard. It is hard to keep up with all of the changes that are having on social media and all of that. And so the biggest thing that kids are dealing with, I think from my perspective, when they have access to social media is just seeing all of these posts around um, anxiety identity, mental health, friendships, doubts, questions, because they already have their own doubts, questions. They're learning how to navigate friendship. They're learning how to navigate bad days with good days. They're starting to learn, well, who am I? Um, But then if they have this access to social media to see what all these other people are saying, that is the, I think the part that really concerns me because then they're like, well, if that person thinks that, then maybe that's okay. Um, and I can't help but think of, you know, I think it was just today, I saw a post from a young college successful student who committed suicide um, due to feeling overwhelmed. And as, um, yeah, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And her suicide note was on her social media profile. And that's what we're starting to see more of, I'm afraid of, are these people that are committing suicide and their notes now are on social media for the world to see and read. And so not only does my heart break for this young girl and her family, 
But my worry is that when kids see posts like this, they too start to wonder, sure. oh gosh, I'm feeling overwhelmed in my life. Maybe I should end it all right now. And so I think if we're not careful, our kids are going to end up getting their questions answered and their beliefs shaped by what they are seeing and reading online. Now, with that said, I want to share um, this tool that I actually recently came across um, that I plan on digging into even more. But parents that I know, some of my friends have told me they love it and they pay for the membership of it. It's called it's at access.org and they provide a variety of resources so that you can have better conversations with your kids around the topics and issues that are impacting them today. And my friends have, I mean, just praise this because they provide so many great resources around those topics that our students are dealing with. So I think that would be a great resource to check out. And then also, I think um, monitoring what our students are watching or our kids are watching um, and reading and seeing online. My son knows I go and check his history, you know, on his computer um, and that I have access to it anytime and that I can check his messages with his friends um, and that I can look at that anytime. And so um, I just think it's, it's important that we are aware because I know that I don't want my son coming across posts like from this poor child that I wish I could have just helped rescue um, knowing that, um, that there's more, you know, that it's okay if you feel overwhelmed, um, let's get some help. You're going to make it. And so, yeah, I hope that makes sense. Oh yes. And, and that stuff is heartbreaking and it's wonderful when parents are monitoring things, but one little caution I'll give you parents, don't get complacent thinking you understand how all of it works because it changes wow. so rapidly. And, you know, we can have our kids' passwords and we can be looking at their stuff. But Snapchat has um, basically a for your eyes only area. Yes. And so parents, did you know that? You're checking your kids' Snapchat, but then they've got a password protected area that they get into that you might not even know exists. Wow. Or with Instagram, the big trend is to have a Finsta, a fake Instagram account. So you're, yep. you're monitoring the one that they put out there for their, their, um, you know, kind of happy face account. Yeah. And then they've got their fake one where they're putting all the stuff that they know you'll object to. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, definitely, you know, our, we want to trust our kids, but they're kids. Yeah. Their brains aren't fully developed. They don't have the life experience that we have. And so they're going to make bad choices, not because they're bad kids, but because they just don't know any better yet. Right. So don't stick your head in the sand. Don't say my kid would never do that. You know, be as vigilant as you can and be someone that when they come to you, they're not afraid to come to you. Yes, I was just going to say that. I think that is such an important point in that. I know for me personally, I, I try to always tell my son, you can come and tell me anything. Like, I don't want him to be afraid to come talk to me about something and then think that he's going to get in trouble for it. Like, I want that open communication with him. And so 
that is such an important point that you make there. Yeah, that's one thing I learned really quickly as an investigator. You, you've got to be someone they want to talk to. Yeah. You've got, you know, you see stuff on TV, the police are screaming at, at the suspect and doing all this and the suspect breaks. That doesn't work in real life. Yeah. You've got to establish a rapport. You've got to make them really believe that it's in their best interest to tell you things. Yep. Absolutely. And that, you know, the same, not, not that you're investigating your kids, but you want to have that same communication model. Otherwise, you, you can't help them with things that you don't know is going on. Exactly. And you make such a thought provoking point in your book, Be Worth Following, that on our own social media profiles, we need to give our followers more than we're asking from them. And that is so countercultural right now, especially to how most people are using social media, isn't it? Oh my goodness. Yes. Because so much of what we see on social media today is all about making a name, name for ourselves, building our kingdom, making the sale, this and that. And so we do, we tend to look at social media through the lens of what can I get from it? But instead, we really should be looking at it through the lens of how can I help? How can I encourage someone today? Um, and I think that can make such an impact in the lives of people. Like we, the social media is where people go to. We have an incredible opportunity to help others, to encourage others. And, you know, people today, they have a lot going on in their lives, just like kids. Adults have um, their doubts, their questions. They have stress. They have anxiety. They have moments where they are feeling overwhelmed. And so I think if we could change our perspective of what we come to social media for, it can change so many things. And it gives us, again, the opportunity to really impact the lives of others. Here's one of the things that I love um, is when I see somebody who um, like sets up a page um, or a GoFund, and I know there's different thoughts about this or whatever, but like a GoFund page, somebody um, just lost a spouse and they are a single mom, like the opportunity there to give and to help this family or somebody sharing online I have a rough week ahead of me. I could use some prayers or this or that. Again, the opportunity to speak life into them, to pray for them. And so, yeah, we have such an incredible opportunity to use social media to help others rather than just looking at it from the lens of, well, what can I get from this? What can I get from the people who are following me? Well, I have to admit that as it was like 3.30 in the morning or whatever, when <laughs> When I hit this part of the book, I not only did I highlight that part, but I stopped and I put the book down and I pulled up um, my social media for, for the podcast. And I just started looking, what, what am I posting? And I thought, okay, this is definitely an area that I need to work on and get better at. So thank you for that. Yeah. And I think it's something that all of us, I don't think any of us are perfect at it. It's something that I think um, we're all working on because it can be so easy on social media to just post the highlight reel of our lives and how great things are and, 
and this and that. But when we have the opportunity to look at it through the eyes of other people and to see their post and to offer them something, um, that, that can and that does change everything. And it doesn't even have to be about what we're posting. Right. It can be about going to other people's pages. And like you said, right. if they're asking for prayer, get on there and say, hey, I'll be praying for you. And then make sure you do it. <laughs> Don't just say right. you're going to do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, making those those comments that do encourage people or say, hey, here's a resource I know about that that I wondered if if you knew was available. And, and sharing insights like that can make a tremendous difference because, you know, nobody can know everything. Right. So right. if people can pour in and say, oh, hey, we're making connections between people. Yes. I think that is, is a tremendous service. You know, hey, I know somebody that's been through something similar. Let me connect you. Yes, it makes all the difference. I actually um, went on a girl's trip to New York with a friend of mine who we lived in the same city and everything, but then another woman that we had met online and she became a friend of ours and we had a girl's trip to New York City. Now I know some people will be like, well, be careful, you know, this and that, <laughs> but we had checked everything out and we became friends over years and like things like that, like that was so encouraging to my heart. Or when somebody just sends me a private DM and they said, hey, I was just thinking about you today and I want you to know I prayed for you or here's what I see. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, that just made my day. So yeah, so many great things that we can do. And when it pops into your mind, if at all possible, do it right then. Because yes. if your mind's anything like my mind, it will not remember an hour right. later. <laughs> well, what advice would you give to someone who sees... Um, what they're doing on social media really as a ministry. So they might kind of hesitate to promote it because they don't want to feel like they're being self-promoting. What would you yeah. tell that person? Oh, this is such a good question because again, I've dealt with this. I'm sure many have dealt with this. And so what I like to say is that there is a balance. And the way that I see it, it's really in the words that you use. And so if you are sharing from your heart, if you're being real, if you're being authentic, no one is going to really discard that or see that as being salesy. But if you are posting um, all about what you're trying to get people to go download, buy something, this or that, then that's going to move people away from you. And our goal on social media is to move people towards us, to have conversations with, with people. That's why it's called social media, being social with people on these media platforms. And so the advice that I always give to people is to share stories. If you are trying to build, let's say, let's you're trying to build your email list. And rather than asking people to go download your freebie, share a story behind that freebie. So let's say you help people with anxiety and maybe your freebie is all about helping people navigate the daily stresses of life. And so share your story about how you found yourself in a stressful situation and how you implemented certain tips to help bring you peace 
during a stressful time in your life. And that's why you created this freebie because you wanted others to experience that same peace that you have experienced. And so when you can share a real authentic story, that's going to draw people to you because all of a sudden they're seeing their story and your story. And they're like, okay, I'm not alone in this. I want to go download this. And so I, that's how, that's the advice I always give to people is you don't want to just write posts that are like, Hey, I'm so excited. I have a new freebie on my website. Go download it. 10 tips for living a stress-free life. I don't know. That just came <laughs> up of my head, but instead share the story behind that. And that's going to just really bring people in. And you mentioned authenticity. Yeah. And I think people are craving that because we all see the, you know, celebrity Photoshop fails and, and all that stuff. So, you know, how can we get comfortable sharing the parts of us that, you know, might be awkward or embarrassing or, or even make us look a little goofy? Yes. And again, I think I deal with this all the time because my goodness, we all want to share our best sides. You know, we just want to do that. And I know that I like recently I cringed at a photo a friend posted of me. She came into my house to visit. And so we took a picture together. And when I saw it, quite honestly, I didn't want to look at it because all I was seeing was the ways that I felt like I didn't measure up physically. I just, I didn't look my best, this and that. And, you know, I'm just like, my gosh, why do we do this to ourselves? And so this has been a learning process for me. And what I've seen is that the more real I am with people on social media, the more they engage because they feel like they can relate to that also. And so I've posted um, before pictures of myself after a workout where quite honestly, I look like a mess. Um, I've shared stories of coming in last place when my, uh, workout includes running. Um, and I've shared, nobody, I don't, I hate running. I'm just going to say yeah, I'm with you there. I run <laughs> yeah, if things exactly. are chasing me, but that's it. That's right. Exactly. If there's a bear, I'm going to run. Um, but you know, anything else, forget it. And I've also shared the hard stories. Like when I've had a miscarriage and I'll tell you when I shared that story, my DMs were filled. Like women were like, oh my gosh, I've had one too. I've never um, shared this with anybody. And so people want real. And when you allow yourselves to post real pictures, real stories, they connect with you. And that's a really good thing. So how can you get more comfortable with this? Well, one step at a time. And so maybe for you, it's this week, one time, I'm going to post a real story a real picture, um, and see how this impacts my, my audience in a positive way. It's okay to start small. Um, and so if it's one time a week, do that, you know, and maybe you take it from, okay, this story doesn't feel as scary to share compared to this story, or this photo here doesn't feel as scary to share as maybe this photo. So give yourself grace, start small, and then watch and see how that. Um, that post, that story, that realness that you're bringing to your profiles, how that will bring greater engagement. I promise you it will, because then people will be like, my gosh, I am not alone in this. Thank goodness. It's like when I'm talking to parents and they're sharing about their 12 year old son and the things that they're navigating right now, my husband and I are like, 
Oh, good. We're not alone. <laughs> it's the same thing on social media. You share your stories and people are like, okay, good. I'm not alone. So yeah, so start small. I love that. And, you know, my, my title for this week was, I read this book so you don't have to, about the <laughs> true crime book. But I want people to get your book. I want people to connect with you. So tell us how people can find you, find your resources, and get to know the real you. Absolutely. So they can find me at my website. It's drjenbennett.com, D-R-J-E-N, and then Bennett, B-E-N-N-E-T-T.com. I'm hoping to have a website redo soon, so you might see it change up. Uh, but they can find me there. And then they can find me on my most active social media platforms are Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And they can find me at Dr. Jen Bennett. Awesome. And I will put links to all of that in the show notes to make it easy for you. So make sure you check those out. Thank you again for joining us. You have um, certainly given me a lot of food for thought, and I'm sure the listeners as well. This has been wonderful. I truly enjoyed my time. Thank you. The Bible verse that I want to talk through today is James 1.5, and I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. If any of you lacks wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance, he is to ask of our benevolent God, who gives to everyone generously and without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. Spring is finally here, and I've been out planting stuff. If any of you like to garden, you know that you're always going to have extras of something. And it's such a joy to be able to share those extras with people. Well, if you think about James 1.5 and you're doing that, you're asking God for wisdom, he is going to give you so much that you'll have plenty left over to share too. And that's how we take on the bad guys and gals. Sadly, there's a lot of predatory women out there too, so we'll be equal opportunity here. But if we ask for the wisdom to know who is out to harm us or others, we can be proactive in keeping ourselves and our friends and our family, anybody in our circle of influence, keep them from harm. We need lots of wisdom after a crime's been committed. Maybe you could be asked to serve on a jury. Pray for wisdom. Or maybe you have information about someone involved in a crime, but you're not sure it's important enough to take to the police. Pray for wisdom. Maybe someone who's been victimized has reached out to you for help. Pray for wisdom. That is a prayer you can never pray too often. You need to pull up this week's show notes so you can connect with today's guest, Dr. Jen Bennett. And there's a link to join the membership site as well to get extra bonus content. That's the kind of stuff that'll help you become a different kind of PI, a person of impact. The Unlovely Truth is written and produced by me, Lori Morrison. Music is by Neil Cortex, and the artwork is by Shelby Highland. See you all next time. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. 